Hi, friend, and welcome to Real Relationship Talk. I am your host, Dana Shea, and I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you clicked on this episode. Now, if you have clicked on this episode, chances are you are someone who is interested in having more productive conversations about race. Maybe you're new to this conversation. Maybe you like literally woke up yesterday and realized that there's a race problem in America. Welcome. Or maybe you've been at this conversation for a long time and you're weary and you need some encouragement. Maybe you need to be challenged in order to have conversations with people who think quite differently from you. So you guys, if you've been following along this podcast for a while, or if you follow me on social media, you know that I am very passionate about healthy relationships. I usually focus on marriage and dating and family and parenting But today, we're going to have a conversation about racism. More specifically, what we can do to have more productive conversations around race. And ultimately, what my desire is, is to help us to have healthy relationships with those of other races than ourselves. Now, if you don't know this by now, I am an African-American woman. And funny, I don't really refer to myself as African-American. I usually call myself black or brown, just depending on who I'm talking to. And I want you all to know, no matter whether you are Black, white, biracial, Latinx, Asian, whatever ethnicity you are, this conversation is for you. Now, the truth is the race relations issue in our nation right now are largely Black and white. However, I believe that other ethnicities can greatly benefit from this conversation. So I want you to right now just to take a deep breath. No, like literally take a deep breath because everybody is so tense. You know, conversations around racism and race relations have become so one-sided and so polarizing and so hateful. And this is not going to be one of those conversations. You guys, I don't have an interview for you today. It is all me. And this is a special episode because I have been sitting back and listening and watching and I've been hearing conversations flying all around. And to be honest, I'm not seeing a lot of progress. I'm hearing and I'm sensing and I'm feeling a lot of hurt, a lot of shame, a lot of unanswered questions, and there's just a lot of mudslinging. And I want to just do my little part in helping people just like you to be able to find more productive ways to have conversations with those who we might disagree with. Because you guys, isn't that really the essence of healthy relationships? It's learning how to manage conflict. It's not that we won't have any, but it's learning how to manage those conflicts. And so I'll tell you a little bit about my story and how I got started in these race conversations. I am in no means an expert. However, I have been at this work for quite some time. And so I hope that you will leave this conversation today more educated But, you know, more so than just being educated, I really want you to be encouraged. This is not going to be a shameful conversation. You're not going to feel dumb. You're not going to feel like you are the last one to the party. I believe that when you're done with this conversation today, your heart is going to be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged to then take action to be able to help heal this world. And in the words of the great prophet Michael Jackson, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. So let's get into it.
Well, 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 where do we begin? As I was sitting there thinking about how I was going to address this episode, you guys, we could literally be on this one episode for 10 straight hours and we would still have only just begun to scratch the surface about race relations in America. Now, this is not going to be a purely educational podcast. There are some amazing podcasts out there that talk all about the history of race relations in America, that talk about how colonizers kidnapped African kings and doctors and and entrepreneurs from their native land and brought them to the States and forced them into slavery. And we're not going to get into all of that history on this podcast. I encourage you, though, to do your work, to find resources that actually educate you on the whole history of slavery, which will then help you to better understand the history of racism in America. But what I want us to focus on today is how to have productive conversations around race with people that we disagree with. So let me tell you a little bit about how I got started in all of this. I grew up, obviously I'm Black, but I grew up in largely white spaces. I attended mostly white Christian schools in my childhood, but I lived in an all-Black neighborhood for most of my childhood. And so I found myself going back and forth between these two different worlds quite often. And to be honest, I knew how to assimilate very well. I knew how to change my voice and talk like this when I was around my white friends. And I knew how to talk like this when I was around my black friends. And to be honest, it was something that I don't think I did consciously. It was a subconscious switch. And I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but it was like a subconscious switch that I did to fit in, to blend in. And I remember as a very young child thinking, why can't these two worlds meet? Why can't I have my white friends over to my neighborhood and they feel confident and like they belong? And why can't I have my black friends go to different school events with me and they feel like they belong? And so I was forced, I feel like, to kind of go in between these two worlds all the time. And those two worlds were wildly different. Fast forward a few years, and I began to develop a love for multi-ethnicity. I started attending a very mixed church with one of my high school friends, and my love for multi-ethnic churches, multi-ethnic relationships, all of that just flourished. And so I knew very early on in my early teens that I wanted to pursue a lifestyle where we could just all get along. I was so naive. I had no idea... (laughs) what I was going to be challenged with. And all throughout my adulthood, it is something that I have continued to fight for. So today I am a pastor at a multi-ethnic church. I have a lot of white friends. I have a lot of black friends. And thankfully, a lot of my friends get along now. They're not these two different worlds that I'm going back and forth in between. But again, I am not going to sit here and tell you that it is all peaches and cream and everything is easy because it is not. There are some of my white friends who are quite frankly asleep. They don't understand the problems that exist in our nation. And then there are some of my black friends that are like all Black Panther and not talking about the movie. I'm talking about like the organization. And I'm trying to find a middle ground there if one even exists. 
And so I am right in the same boat with you guys. Like I said in the intro, I am not an expert here. I have done several classes and um, I'm in a small group with uh, some others who are pursuing racial justice. I've done some workshops and trainings and I continue to educate myself, but I am and will always be a lifelong learner. And I want to encourage you to see yourself that way too. If you are completely green. If you have no idea what I have been talking about for the past five minutes, you are in good company. If you have been at this work for 25 years, you too, my friend, are in good company. So I just want to jump right into our topic for today. I called this podcast Race Conversations 101 because this is going to be your kind of ground level, basic, fundamental conversation, how you can have conversations with people that you do not agree with. Now, when I thought about doing this podcast, I had so many people that I was going to call on to kind of talk about this with me, but I really felt like you need to just hear from my heart. It is my podcast, by the way, but you, you need to just hear from my heart and from my experience and my story. And then I am going to gladly share the mic with some of my amazing friends, both black and white and some people who I look up to and highly respect for their work in this area. But today, you're going to hear from me. So about a year ago, I wrote a paper for a class that I was teaching, and it was all about spiritual formation in race relations. And I started going through that paper that I wrote again, and I thought, wow, there is some really good nuggets that I feel like we need to be able to apply in our normal everyday conversations around race. And I am an acronym girl. If you keep hanging around this podcast and you follow me online, you will realize that very soon. I grew up in the Baptist church and I love a good acronym. And so I've got one for you today. The acronym, I'm not going to give it to you right away. You're going to have to listen to the whole podcast so you could put the pieces together and find out what I am encouraging you to do. Let's first of all begin with what is the problem? Some of you are seriously asking that question. Like, what is the problem? I don't understand what's going on. Why is everybody so angry? You know, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we just found out last week that the people who killed Breonna Taylor, which happened to be police officers who killed her, were pretty much exonerated. One of the police officers was charged with a much lesser crime than what Brianna's family and so many people in this country were hoping for. And that hurt. It not only hurt the Black community, but it hurt people who have been fighting and protesting and writing letters to their congressmen and and marching and praying. It hurt because we saw once again justice being averted. And I know that if you're not real in touch with what's going on, that's going to be a difficult thing to swallow. Let me also just say off the jump that the way that black people and white people view themselves is wildly different. Now, I'm going to make some generalizations, so don't send me any hate mail, okay? But for the most part, white people see themselves as individuals. If you ask a white person, what are you? They might tell you they're a doctor, they might say they're an Enneagram 3, they might say they are an organic, vegan, farm-growing Christian. They're going to tell you something about what they do. They're probably not going to say, I am white. 
because for the most part, white people do not see themselves as an ethnicity, as a group. This is very different from black people. Most black people, that is probably the first thing that they're going to say. I'm black and we're proud of it, right? Black and I'm proud. We see ourselves as more of a community. So when something happens to a member of our community, it hurts like it was our own brother or sister. And this is sometimes difficult for some of my white friends to understand. They're like, well, I don't understand it. It didn't happen to you. Yes, it did. It happened to me because it happened to one of us. And so I just wanted to kind of start with that. And hopefully that helps things to be a little bit more clear for my white brothers and sisters. And I believe that we need to start having conversations that are more graceful, that are more compassionate, that we actually see each other as people who are made in the image of God. That is really the foundation, I believe, for real justice. It's so hard to be able to oppress someone that you see as a true equal. And this is why, again, I'm not going to get too deep into the history, but this is why the colonizers had to call Black people three-fifths of a person. Because if I can somehow diminish your humanity, then I can oppress you. But it isn't just the colonizers who are calling Black people three-fifths of a person. It's your neighbor next door who, in the back of their mind, they might not admit it, they actually feel superior to another race. This is the silent killer that's continuing to feed the racism in our nation today. So there is a problem, my friend. There is a huge problem. And we have been called to solve this problem. I believe that it should be every single person's desire to see this country be healed of racism. This is not a black issue. This is not just a Christian issue. This is not a specific denominations issue. This is not the multi-ethnic churches issue. This is not the Democrats issue, the progressives issue. This is all of our issue. We all live in this world and we all are affected by racism. Every single one of us, whether you realize it or not, you are either on the winning side or the losing side, but there's really no neutral. You are either benefiting from racism or you're being oppressed by racism. And that, my friend, is just the bottom line. You might not realize that you're benefiting from it. We call that white privilege, which I understand is a very uncomfortable term for a lot of white people, but it is what it is. You are either benefiting from privilege or you are being destroyed by privilege. So here we are again, not simply going to focus on the problem, but we're going to focus on solutions. However, we can't just jump to the solution until we first realize what the problem is and that there is a problem. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. When I was a kid, I wanted super long hair. I wanted long, straight hair like my white friends at school. And my cousin, who was my partner in crime, wanted the same thing because she was just down the hall at the same Christian school. And so we would come home after school and we would put towels on our heads. We would use slips, pillowcases, anything, and we would attach it to our heads. And we were so convinced that this was our long hair. As a matter of fact, I remember one day we went across the street to my neighbor's house. Now, my neighbor actually happened to be Filipino. They were one of the very few non-Black families in my neighborhood. And so we went across the street and we knocked on the door and she answers the door and she says, why do y'all have those towels on your head? And my cousin and I, no lie, my cousin and I look at each other and we go, 
how did she know we had towels on our head? Because we had so convinced ourselves that our little pillowcases were real hair that we had no idea that they were fake. And this is what so many white people do who have black friends who might even be married to black people is they do not realize that they've been going along playing in a system and they think that it's real when they have allowed themselves to believe that there is not a racism problem in America. They have drunk the Kool-Aid and they think that because their lives are okay or because they don't see anyone hanging from a tree, they don't know any members of the KKK, that somehow racism is a thing of the past and we might just have some minor prejudices every now and again. And they're looking at each other like, well, how did they know? We're confused. And I want to tell you that no matter what you have allowed yourself to believe, there is the truth out there. And the truth is, America is suffering right now from a huge race problem. This is why you see riots. This is why there are protests almost every single day since the killing of George Floyd. If not every day, there has been at least one protest in every major city in America. There have been protests all over the world because the world is hurting. The world is screaming. The world is saying enough is enough. And my friend, it is time that we too say enough is enough. So how do we do this? How do we start having these conversations and how do we move toward healing? The first thing that we need to do is we need to learn how to support each other. Remember, I'm giving you an acronym, so keep in mind these letters. So the first thing we need to do is support each other. In the book of Galatians chapter 6, 2, it talks about how we need to bear each other's burdens. Now, what does that look like? We all know how to do this. If your friend is going through a hard time, if your friend has just lost a family member, you're probably going to go to that friend. You're going to comfort him or her. You are going to ask if there's anything you can do. You're going to listen to that friend talk about memories of their loved one. You might even look through pictures that your friend is showing you. You are going to be there in person for your friend. You're going to do lots of listening. You're going to do lots of trying to understand where your friend is coming from. That's what support looks like. Support looks like I'm going to hold you up when you feel like you're about to cave. I am going to be strong for you when you feel like you are weak. So we need to learn how to support each other. Supporting is not just simply putting a black square on your Instagram feed or hashtagging Black Lives Matter. That's all well and fine, but I think we wanna see what are you doing two weeks after you posted the black square? What are you doing to actually show that black lives actually matter? That's what it means to support. So that's number one, we need you, and I'm saying we as the black community, we need our friends of other ethnicities to truly support. Number two, you have got to be humble. Now this goes for all of us. We don't just get to skimp out on this. If you're black, you can't say, I don't need to be humble. No, we all have to be humble. And humility is really becoming a lost art. It really is. There's so much pride and so much self 
promotion and so much me, me, me in our society that we've forgotten how beautiful and how liberating humility actually is. What does that look like, Dana? What are you talking about? Well, humility says, I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. My perception might be flawed. My history might be jacked up and I need to learn something new. Humility says, I am willing to listen and I am willing to change. That is humility. And I'm going to tell you something that humility is so attractive. When you have someone that is willing to say, I don't know it all. Can you help me understand? That is one of the most attractive things about a person. And so we need to learn how to be humble. So that's number two. Number one was support. Number two is humility. Number three, take ownership. Ownership. What does that mean? It means that we have to take responsibility for our part. Now, I'm going to walk on some eggshells here because what I'm not saying is that Black people need to take ownership for the injustices that we see. I am not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that in our conversations around race and in these racially charged, intense times, we all need to take ownership. One of my good friends says all the time, even if I'm only responsible for 5% of the problem, I have to take 100% responsibility for my 5%. That's deep, right? I mean, you can apply that to a marriage. You can apply that to a job. You can apply that in any and every relationship of your life. Even if you feel like you're not a huge part of the problem, whatever part you play, take ownership. You need to own your part of the mess. For white people, this is going to be a challenge because so many of you may feel like, well, I didn't own slaves. I was not a slave master. I do not believe in the KKK. I am not a white supremacist. I am not racist. And what I'm telling you, my friend, is sometimes you have to take ownership for your whole group. Again, because most white people think on terms of individualism, this is a difficult pill to swallow. I was a part of a prayer march a few months back, and during one part of the program, the leader asked for all the white people to kneel in repentance. And all the white people around me knelt. It was a beautiful moment. I didn't think anything was wrong with it at all. But oh my, 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 when I got on Facebook later on, I'm seeing all kinds of shots. I'm seeing all kinds of, that was crazy. I can't believe that they made white people kneel down to the black people, all kinds of mess. And I thought, you know what is so interesting about that is that the white people who knelt on their own free will knelt because they realized that we're taking ownership for what our ancestors did. None of us were alive in the 17 and the 1800s, but we can still take ownership that a wrong, a huge, ugly wrong has occurred and is still occurring, mind you, and we can take ownership for that. And so the O is that you have to take ownership, responsibility for our part. Number four, we need to understand that we are in warfare. Now, let me talk to those of you who know how to pray. 
Those of you who realize that everything that we see with our natural eyes is not the full picture. There are things that are going on beyond what we see with our natural eyes. There are forces at work. The Bible calls them principalities and powers of the darkness. And I know that sounds very sci-fi for those of you who do not call yourself Christian. But let me tell you that everything that you see is not what you see. There are so many forces and factors at play with racism that it's crazy. It's crazy. There is no logical explanation. There is no reason that someone would hate another person because one has more melanin in their skin than the other. No, my friend, it is way deeper than that. Way deeper. And if we don't understand that we are in warfare, that we are literally fighting forces that want to keep us divided and want us to continue to pit one race against another and wants to put one race above another and oppress another race. And this thing has been in our country and the very soil of our country for hundreds of years then we have got some real examination to do. This is not just simply about, I don't want my kid to date black people, or I would prefer that all my friends be black. No, 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 no. This is warfare. And we need to understand that. Now, the good news is that the Bible teaches us that the weapons of our warfare are not of this world, but they are mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. What in the world does that mean, you might be asking? It means that we don't fight people. We're fighting things. We're fighting issues. We're fighting principalities. We're fighting ideologies. We're fighting things, not people. And so even the most racist, heinous person is that way because they are being controlled by a force that they might not even be aware of. And so we have to understand what the real battle is. And this is why I can love people that I don't like. This is why I can love people that I completely disagree with. Now, I don't have to talk to them every day and I'm not going to call them a quote friend, but I can still love them because remember, I believe everybody is made in the image of God. And when you truly, truly believe that, you're not just saying that, but when you truly, truly believe that, then you can love even the most hateful acting folk. So the W is warfare. So let's just recap real quick. We talked about the S for support, H for humility, O, ownership, W, warfare. Are you guys figuring out this acronym by now? If you think the next one is you, you are correct. That it was corny, I know, I'm sorry. Okay, so listen, the U stands for urgency. You guys, we do not have time anymore to be messing around. I follow this woman on Instagram. I'm not gonna tell you her name because she is definitely very potty mouthed. However, I love her. I love her personality. I love how she just tells the truth like it is, but her mouth is extra raw, um, which means she cusses a lot. Okay, so one of the things that she says on her Instagram all the time is she's like, I don't have the time. And she has like this little rap that she's made up. And she's like, I don't have the time. I don't have the time, right? And what she's saying is, I don't have the time to be messing around having these little mealy mouth conversations that aren't progressing. Having these little mealy mouth solutions that aren't getting us anywhere. You guys, we are in dangerous times. There is a sense of urgency. This conversation cannot be left to our grandchildren. We cannot just simply say, we just want to get along with everybody and maybe racism will just kind of naturally go away on its own. It's not going to naturally go away on its own. 
We have to understand that we are in a fight like I just talked about, and there has to be some sense of urgency. I know when some of the um, racial tensions of 2020 were just kind of starting to come to the surface again, because, you know, this is not new, but this is just when we kind of felt this new bulge, if you will, a lot of my Black brothers and sisters were, were lamenting how long how long, how long? And that can be found in several different places in the Bible where these prophets and other people of God ask God the same thing. And I want to read to you out of the book of Habakkuk chapter one. And it says, starting at verse two, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. You guys, if that does not sound like what we are living in 2020 right now, I don't know what does. There are so many people saying, how much more? How long must we wait for justice? How long do we have to see ourselves being treated as less than? There is a sense of urgency to this. And my answer for that is in the next chapter, Habakkuk chapter 2. And this is the Lord's response to Habakkuk. And he says here in verse 3, For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and it will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it since it will certainly come and not be late. Now, again, what I'm not saying is that we need to just give up and just go, well, it'll happen eventually. We need to just not worry about it. No, no, no. Quite the contrary, my friend. What we need to understand is that this race problem, it's going to be solved. We are not going to have to continue to live in oppression and in hate and in violence. But we might not see that with our natural eyes right now. I think about Dr. Martin Luther King who said, you know, I might not get to the other side with you. He knew he was looking toward a future time where the vision that he had to see black people and white people marching and standing and living as one, he knew that he probably wouldn't see that with his own eyes. But he was sure is going to fight like hell until he saw it realized as best as he could. He gave his life for it. That's how urgent he was. And my friends, what I'm telling you today is that we need to become people of urgency. This is a pressing issue. Conversations around race are not the most comfortable conversations, but you have to learn to have them because of the sense of urgency. It is time out for us playing around like our nation is not suffering and bleeding and oozing because of the hatred, because of the oppression that is happening. The time is now, and you have been called to this for such a time as this. So take ownership. And then finally, it's time for us to pivot. It is time for us to move in a different direction. 
what we've been doing for the past couple hundred years has been a good start. Okay, since slavery was abolished, praise the Lord. You know, segregation was outlawed. Thank you, Jesus. Jim Crow has gone to hell where he belongs. Great. All right. However, we still have a lot of work to do. It is time for us to pivot. And, you know, an old biblical word for pivot is repent. It is time for us to repent. It is time for us to change direction. That's what that word means is to change direction. Repentance is not just simply saying, I'm sorry, but it's moving in a different direction. It is time for us to pivot, to look at what we have been doing that is not working and to say, what can we do that's different? What can we do that's actually going to matter? And so if you're a leader, if you're a business owner, you need to think, okay, what can I do in my sphere of influence to begin to open up some of these conversations? What can I do if I'm a school teacher? Do I need to learn? Do I need to help my kids to understand what the true history of this country is all about? What if you're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor, or maybe you're a friend and you just need to have a courageous conversation with one of your friends of a different race than you? No matter what your sphere of influence, no matter where you find yourself, it is time for us to pivot, to change direction, to change our perspective, and to really get serious about helping this nation heal. Now, I know that this is a tall order, you guys. If you think about, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do, little old me, to help my nation to heal? And so I'm going to give you some very practical tools. But before I do that, did you guys realize our acronym is to show up. S is support. H, humility. O, ownership. W, warfare. U, urgency. And P, pivot. Show up. Show up in the conversations that you've been largely absent from. Show up on social media. Show up in a book that you've never read before by an author that you've never read before of an ethnicity that you've never read before. Show up. Show up in your churches. Open your mouths and start asking questions. Why does my church have an all-white leadership team? Is that truly biblical? Why does my church have an all-black congregation? Is that truly the heart of God? And listen, I'm not trying to sell you that every single church needs to be a multi-ethnic church. But what I am saying is that we have to model what this looks like. If our kids have any hope for living in a better society than what we're living in, who's going to model that before them? It's us. Tag, you're it. And we have to understand that. And so my desire, no, my plea for you today, friend, is that you learn how to start showing up, that you begin to have some courageous conversations as uncomfortable as they are. And let me talk to my black brothers and sisters for a minute. You guys, we need to help our white brothers and sisters to feel more comfortable having these conversations. I'm going to tell you something. They are scared out of their minds. I hear from so many of my white friends and followers on social media, and they just don't know what to say. They feel like if they say something, it's going to be construed as racist. It's going to be wrong. It's going to be dumb. It's not going to be enough. They feel like they should already know that by now. And we, black brothers and sisters, brown brothers and sisters, we have the extraordinary privilege 
to help them understand that as our teachers used to say in elementary school, there is no dumb question other than the question that is not asked. I truly believe that. Y'all, I have had to bite my tongue so much. I've had to ignore certain comments, not because those comments were right and they didn't need to be challenged, but because I love the person that was asking. And no, it didn't come out the right way. And yes, it revealed something about their heart that I wish I didn't know. However, I was able to and am able to set those things aside, say a prayer that my eyebrows do not give away my real feelings, and I'm able to say, you know what, let's talk about that. That's a very interesting question that you just asked me. Tell me why you feel that way. It's all about humility, guys. It's all about learning how to have conversations with people when you don't have to shame somebody for how they feel, when you don't have to belittle someone, when you don't have to try to come across as this know-it-all. It's all about humility. And it is my heart's desire. I desire to see a world where we can sit around a table, all different ethnicities. And I've done this before in my real life. I, I have a video on my YouTube channel about me and some of my girlfriends, and we're all different races. And we're having conversations about race. And so you can go to youtube.com slash Dana Shea 7. I'll have the link for that in the show notes. But you can find that conversation. And maybe you can get some more insight on how to actually begin to talk about what really needs to be talked about. But it is time out for us pretending like racism is not still an issue. It is time out for us pretending that just because we have friends of different races that we have somehow arrived. It is time out for us to stop acting like we don't know what to do. All you need to do is show up. Woo! Well, I don't know about you, but I'm hot right now. (laughs) That was intense. I hope I said everything that I needed to say, and I hope that you were able to receive everything that I said with just an open heart and an open mind. And I want to be able to help those of you who are new on the journey. I want to provide you with a list of resources Now, what I'm not going to do is do your work for you because you need to be finding out this stuff for yourself. You need to be researching and finding different leaders and and thinkers and experts. But I do want to at least give you a little bit of a head start. So if you go to DanaShay.com slash podcast, you will see on this episode, episode number seven, you will see a listing of some books, some podcasts and other resources that you can actually get started today. You know, they used to say that knowledge is power, and we all know that's not true. Applied knowledge is power. So it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. Thank you for listening to the end. I know there were parts of this conversation that might not have been the most comfortable, but I hope that you've, again, just been encouraged and inspired. And would you do me a favor and share this podcast with someone, maybe someone who they're thinking the same, I have no idea where to start, what do I say? This will be a great episode to share with them. And if you like what you've heard, please rate this podcast. For a podcast, ratings are gold. They actually help the podcast to be seen by more people. So whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you are, if you can rate and review, I would love and so appreciate if you would do that. Thank you all so very much for listening. Until next time, have a great week. Again, danashay.com slash podcast is where all the show notes and the resources will be. I will see you guys on the next episode. Take care.
Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.